This Rural Radio Forum podcast is brought to you by Aurora Cooperative. Tougher together, Aurora and you. Good afternoon and welcome as the Rural Radio Network presents this edition of the Rural Radio Forum. This quarterly program devotes our network airtime to provide an in-depth examination, answer pertinent questions, and learn crucial information on issues important to agriculture and our rural community. I'm Scott Foster, midday host, and this Rural Radio Forum, we take a look at stress in agriculture. You are not alone. Before we get started with this program, I'd like to take a moment to speak to agriculture and those who work tirelessly to produce our food and fiber. George Washington was not only the first president of our country, but a true agriculturalist. Before and after public office, Washington always considered himself a farmer first and tried to carry the virtues of agriculture to the American people. Washington summarized the importance of agriculture and of farmers and ranchers when he said, it will not be doubted that the reference either to individuals or national welfare, agriculture is of primary importance. In proportion, as nations advance in population and other circumstances of maturity, this truth becomes more apparent and renders the cultivation of the soil more and more an object of public patronage. He went on to say agriculture is the most healthful, most useful, and most noble profession a man or woman can follow into. Those words still echo clear today and are very true. To be in agriculture is truly to cultivate the future. For a farmer starts with land and seed and prayers for favorable weather. He truly does not know his potential outcome until the harvest lays it in the bin. From harvest until the next spring, a farmer's work is never done caring for the land. Nor is the work of a rancher who, even when cattle are on good grass, constantly watches over the herd. From this hard work can come a great deal of stress, from financial woes to finding time to raise a family. For a farmer... It's not just when the mortgage note comes due that skies could be falling, but a hailstorm, blistering heat and drought, swarms of insects or falling markets can make it seem as if the end is knocking on the door. Well, the purpose of this forum today is to remind producers, their families and their friends, that they are, in fact, not alone. We have a great deal of information to cover in this hour, And as most of our program has been pre-recorded, we will not be entertaining audience questions for a panel today. However, I do invite your comments via email and Twitter. You may write me at sfoster at krvn.com, or you can tweet your comments to us a couple ways. You can tweet them to me at sfosteronline, excuse me, sfosteronair, or at ruralradionet. We will begin our program with uh, Clay Patton. He had a chance to talk to Dr. Michael Roseman. Dr. Roseman is a farmer and a clinical psychologist who specializes in agriculture. As we open our forum today, what we are to uh, see is the challenges facing ag producers and how these challenges not only affect 
them but their families and how they trickle down to the main street in their often small communities. Once we finish with the idea of what is out there, we will continue to take a look later on as Susan talks to folks from the Rural Response Hotline and ways that farmers can work. And we will finish up today's discussion then as we look into some of the ideas as we move forward to help everyone out. That's all coming up today on our Rural Radio Forum, Stress in Agriculture. You're not alone. Let's go ahead and turn it over to Clay Patton now. Welcome to the Rural Radio Forum. I'm Clay Patton. Helping us open up our Rural Radio Forum today is Dr. Michael Roseman, a farmer and a clinical psychologist. And Dr. Roseman, you grew up in agriculture. You're still in agriculture. So as we get started, kind of help us frame the challenges and some of the stresses put on ag producers right now. Thank you, Clay, for asking me to participate. I live in western Iowa, and our agricultural prospects aren't any better here than in most other parts of the country currently. I think we are going through a rather severe recession in agricultural income where our input costs exceed what we are earning from our crops uh, and the production of livestock or dairy and even in the poultry and egg markets. We're in a recession that is leading some farmers uh, to experience recall of loans at greater rates than we've experienced since the 1980s. I met earlier this year with representatives uh, of the Farm Credit Services of America. They have had a record number of loans that have been called in because of incapacity of the borrowers to make sufficient payments. This is reminiscent of the 1980s, but circumstances are certainly quite different. Then we had very high interest rate. We did not have the crop insurance. So we do have some factors that are lessening uh, the trauma, but still the behavioral health issues that accompanied the 1980s depression in agriculture are now showing up in farmers who are stressed these days. Dr. Roseman, market cycles happen not only in agriculture but in the Main Street economy, and we saw similar settings in 2008 with the housing crisis, and we saw some of these kind of stresses happen to Main Street. But now when we look at agriculture today, farmers and ranchers, where their livelihood is with the land, they're experiencing maybe a little bit more stress. Is it because they have the tie to that land that when the ag economy falls short that it, it really impacts them even greater? You're exactly right. Agricultural producers have such strong ties to the land that any time there is an economic threat to losing the land, we react very strongly with alarm. Sometimes uh, we try to overcome the turmoil by working harder. We become drained of our capacity to respond to the severe financial pressures 
Eventually, we become depressed, and there is an increased rate of suicide among farmers, both men and women, although men are four times more likely to end their lives than women. But there is uh, a discernible increase uh, in suicidal behavior at the present time from what uh, we have learned from telephone hotlines and helplines. We definitely need uh, some type of behavioral health resources that will protect the most important asset in the food chain, and that is the producers. That's why Congress is currently looking at uh, a farm and ranch stress assistance network in the new farm bill. It has not yet been passed, but taking care of behavioral health is a key factor in maintaining optimal functioning as a producer of crops and livestock. Again, we're talking with Dr. Michael Roseman. And Dr. Roseman, as we continue here here on the Rural Radio Forum, stress in agriculture, you're not alone. You have a personal experience in agriculture. Give us some background and how this has helped you to gain a greater understanding of what ag producers are facing right now. I'm glad to do that. I live uh, with my wife uh, on a farm in western Iowa near the town of Harlan. I grew up in this area. Following uh, high school, uh, I entered a Catholic seminary for three years and then transferred to the University of Colorado where I obtained my bachelor's degree. Subsequently, I completed a Ph.D. in clinical psychology at the University of Utah and took a position as a professor at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. We left Virginia so we could raise our children on a farm. So we moved back to Iowa where our children uh, grew up uh, in our organic farming operation. Simultaneously, I was uh, also providing psychological services to distressed people. We came back to Iowa just in time for the farm crisis of the 1980s. It did impact us. Uh, We lost a farm. We managed to hang on to our home place, but uh, we went through some of those stresses. We learned a lot during those years. We learned that we have to take care of our behavioral health because if we don't, nobody else is going to do it for us. But we have to have knowledge of What are the cues of stress that we need to pay attention to? So we are learning quite a bit more about the importance of taking care of behavioral health. There has been several, I think, remarkable studies that have shown that the behavioral health of dairy operators and feedlot operators is connected to the health of the herds that they are operating. There are more veterinary visits to dairies and to feedlots when the handlers of the cattle are distressed themselves. The rate of mastitis goes up in uh, dairy cows. If we look at the number of veterinary visits, we see that there is a fairly strong positive correlation between the health and well-being of the workers and operators as well as uh, the livestock that they're caring for. So there are lessons there, and the lessons are that we have to 
manage our own behavioral stress. Dr. Roseman, we've talked about some of the stresses we're seeing right now kind of reflect the 1980s, especially when it comes to financial crises. Flipping back through the annuals of history, though, we look at the 1930s and the Dust Bowl-type era. Are there similar type stresses here with any land issues maybe creeping back in as well? Well, we are uh, looking at some people having to sell land that was purchased recently or put up as collateral to secure uh, loans for expansion of operations. Quite a bit of land has changed hands, and as I said earlier, the number of loans that have been called in because of insufficiency in the payments, most of those loans are for the ownership of land. So there is a crisis going on that doesn't mean everybody is affected equally. There are many people who are surviving well. They tend to be persons who are conservative in their money management and uh, who have refrained from making purchases when land costs were high. Now that land has diminished in its value a little bit, Some of those people with available money are getting into the markets. So we're seeing that there is disparity between those who have been careful managers with those who maybe made significant purchases in the last few years since 2008. Dr. Roseman, we've been talking a lot about the stresses and how they impact the ag producer, the farmer, the rancher themselves, but I'm sure when these stresses, the way they can weigh on someone's shoulders, they not only affect the producer, but do these trickle down into their their family members, into their uh, farm help, their farm hands, as well as into the local and rural main streets? Very definitely, uh, that is the case, Uh, We have found from our research of people who have contacted our farm crisis hotlines and helplines and who have followed up in counseling, we've found that the most apparent sign of distress in a farm family is bickering and quarreling within the family. That is followed by anxiety disorders, especially post-traumatic stress disorder, kind of a heightened alarm with stress on the farm and paying back loans and so forth. Uh, It's followed then by depression. We have seen uh, fluctuations in the suicide rate, for instance, during the 1980s and going clear back to the 30s that you mentioned. Suicide was very common in the Great Depression era, and it was four times in the 1980s what it was prior to 1980. Now it's about twice as high as been in the past from what we know. But there is definitely a loss of farmers who are having to sell out. Some of these people end up taking their lives. But financial losses to farmers affects all agricultural communities because money that farmers have goes through the community for purchases of everything from vehicles to machinery, repairs, health care costs, purchases of all types. So when farmers aren't doing well, their agriculture-dependent communities also don't do well. And we're seeing that uh, with some uh, stress 
financial stress in farming communities. Dr. Roseman, final question. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. The light at the end of the tunnel, uh, there's two types. One is if uh, our farm bill does pass the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network, it will set up a national network of farm crisis telephone helplines and hotlines and the provision of counseling to manage uh, behavioral health stresses better. The other type of light at the end of the tunnel that you alluded to is uh, a financial turnaround. We're probably not there this year. Uh, It's uncertain how soon that will happen because of the ongoing strife over tariffs and so forth. But always, agriculture has rebounded, and we need to realize that it probably will rebound again. And that was Clay Patton, farm broadcaster for the Rural Radio Network, speaking with Dr. Michael Roseman, who is a clinical psychologist specializing in agriculture. He's also a farmer. Next, we will pick on Susan Littlefield. Susan had a chance to talk to Michelle Soule. Michelle is uh, one of the leaders with the Rural Response Hotline. You've heard the expression that help is just a phone call away. Well, for one organization and our producers here in Nebraska, it literally is. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield here on the Rural Radio Network and the opportunity to talk with Michelle Soule. She is with the Rural Response Hotline. Now, this Nebraska program brings a variety of different areas to help out the producer. Before we talk to Michelle, I wanted to pass along the hotline toll-free number. It is 800-464-0258. Again, 800-464-0258. And literally, help is just a phone call away. I asked Michelle about what the Nebraska Rural Response Hotline is all about. Um, the Rural Response Hotline offers a lot of free services. Um, we have a farm law attorney. We have financial advisors. We have farm finance clinics throughout the state of Nebraska. Everything is one-on-one. They're very confidential. And it's ways to help our producers through whatever um, they might have going on. We're starting to see some financial distress producers, people who want to run second numbers, get second opinions on cash flows, want to know credit or debt or their law. Um, We also do a lot of estate and transition planning, though. We don't, you know, focus just on the financial distress. Um, We do some estate and transition planning. People might call just for a general fence law question. Kind of whatever that producer has going on, they can call the hotline and we'll try to help them out through that process. Um, We work a lot with beginning farmers also and transitioning farmers, ones that are trying to retire. So you guys do cover such a wide gamut. And to to think that the Rural Response Hotline has been around since the 1980s and, and the number of people that you guys have helped over that time. Yeah, we have, we reach out to a lot of individuals. The program has only grown from when it started in the 80s and we keep offering more services and we try to stay abreast on what our farmers and ranchers are needing out there. And, you know, like right now we average anywhere between three to 350 phone calls a month. And we also have a stress counseling program called Comet. And so if people want to seek out some assistance for stress, or whatever they have going on that they think they need to see a licensed mental health therapist, we can help pay for so many sessions of that. It is just amazing that the amount, um, I'm, I'm in shock, 
you talk, you know, three to 350 calls a month. That's a lot of people that, that are being able to reach out to you guys and, and what you have to offer. Yeah, it is. It's a really neat service. I mean, it's a nice balanced base of programs out there um, because we can help people through uh, loan applications. We can help them if they have questions on FSA or farm credit, whatever the questions might be. You know, we try to touch on whatever that being, you know, and we have a huge network of partners that support this program. We run it on a pretty bare bones budget and we put most of our money back into the farmers. There's very little upfront money, so we have a great, wonderful support of, of network partners. And before we continue on, I want to let folks know that are listening, um, there is a hotline toll-free number that they can call, and that's 1-800-464-0258. Now, you've really covered, and you such a wide gamut. I wanted to kind of break it down. Let's talk about the mental health counseling that the Rural Response Hotline okay. offers. Tell us a little bit about what that's all yeah. entails. Yeah, um, that program is ran through Interchurch Ministries and our State Department of Health and Human Services. And what we do is we send um, like four vouchers, kind of like coupons, four to five, actually five sessions they're eligible for. And then um, we send them directly to the provider and it pays for somebody who needs to go to counseling up to five times. And we've got a lot of people who are working through this program. You know, like in the month of March, we enrolled 83 individuals into the program. And the number is just April, we we enrolled 60. So it's very well utilized. It's a very nice program for some people who to try to have anger issues or maybe an addictions problem or stress management or just need some help or just need to speak to a second person. Um, It's a great program for us to offer to individuals within Nebraska. And and to know that it's confidential, and I think that's probably the biggest hurdle for anybody before they pick up that phone to call the hotline, is knowing that once you guys answer, it stays between you and the person on the other end. Yeah, we, we are very, very, very firm about confidentiality and, you know, we wouldn't want all of our life history shared either. So we, we are very strong on confidentiality and we don't even necessarily have to have names to make all of this work, phone numbers or however, but we do. We, we really enforce confidentiality because we respect that of our callers. Well, you know, the Rural Response Hotline also provides information um, when it comes to legal assistance. Kind of talk about that division. Yeah. Yeah, we have a couple farm law uh, attorneys. We actually have three now within the state. Uh, we had Joe Habaker, who is still with us. And then we've added a couple more um, farm law attorneys out in the Shadron and North Platte area just because of the need that we're seeing and um, try to save on some travel and different things like that. So save on some travel budget so we can do more one-on-one work with them. And it's amazing because people who get free legal advice are getting a, lo- a high dollar value back to them. Now, when that comes to what type of information are, are folks needing to gather before maybe they attend, you know, and, and speak to a, a legal assistance? Okay, well, a farm law attorney, if they want to just talk to them by phone, they just need to have their questions available or what they got going on, their concerns. You know, like a person just called and he wanted to know fence law questions about trees and a fence line. Another person might call and say, hey, I got a estate planning question, or we've got, you know, okay, I can see that I'm not going to make my payment, you know, with a certain loan entity, and what do I do now? You know, what is the process of debtor-creditor law? 
Um, what happens? You know, what should I do? What's the process of liens? So they just need to call and ask their question, and we will send them on to the attorney, and the attorney will get back to them, usually within 24 hours. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer just because we might have them doing other work at you know for that day or something. But, you know, we, we haven't touched yet on the farm finance clinics, but the attorney will also meet with individuals one-on-one at those farm finance clinics. I was going to ask you about that because you do, I know monthly, we, we list off communities that you guys are in. And, again, just as simple as picking up that phone and, and making the call. What do the financial clinics all entail? Okay, the farm finance clinics are where we go to a location, and we have seven locations throughout the state. We do Valentine. Uh, Shadron and Alliance areas kind of split. We have the Ainsworth and the Valentine area kind of split. Then we've got North Platte, Grand Island, Fairbury, Norfolk, and that's most of the site. But we have set up, if we see a need in a certain area, we have set up special clinics in certain areas because we'd have an uptick in calls in that area. Like we've randomly just done one not so long ago in the Bridgeport area. And, you know, done them in the O'Neill area. So we kind of go by need, but we do have those standard clinics. And those are paid for through um, the Department of Agricultural's Next Gen program and farm mediation. And they help pay for some parts of those. And then also Legal Aid of Nebraska's Farm Law Project also has other grants that assist with those. What With the current ag climate that we're seeing and, and these low prices and the issues of tariffs and, and the weather that's been hitting some of our producers, the stress level, I'm sure, is definitely increasing in, in rural Nebraska. And have you seen an uptick in the last couple of months in people reaching out to We've you guys? Seen, yes. Yes, we have. Um, one thing I wanted to refer back to on the farm finance clinics, I never really stated what we have for staff there, but we have a farm law attorney and financial advisors we usually allow about an hour of time, and it's one-on-one, and it's not a group discussion. So if somebody needs a little bit more hour of time, and we can probably try to schedule that in. But I wanted to stress, too, that those are one-on-one. So you sit down and you talk to a financial advisor and an attorney. But back to your question on tariffs and things like that and what we're starting to see. Yeah, we're starting to see stressed callers. We're starting to see some angry. Um, some people are kind of angry about the situation. And they're just not happy. And that's where we're trying to access some of the stress counseling program, too, that we talked about. It's got to be refreshing, though, for these producers. I I have goosebumps as you're talking, Michelle, because knowing that this hotline (laughs) is there for them to call in that that moment of help before things escalate to something worse, that they know that the confidentiality is there and picking up the phone to talk to you guys. Yeah, and you know, Lori and I, um, she's my coworker here. We have a big heart. We're both very interested in responding to our producers to try to make sure we take care of their needs or at least put some sort of comfort into the call. We both have connections to the egg industry. I am a farmer's wife, so I understand the ups and the downs and the disasters, the weather-related disasters. So we understand it. So that alone puts some ease with our callers. And we just really want to make sure we serve our individuals as best as we can. And that number again for the hotline is 800-464-0258, 800-464-0258. It is free. It is confidential. I'm curious, Michelle, have you have, you have a success story or, or something that you can share that's really turned from such a negative into a positive for a family? You know, there's a lot of success that's going on. Um, we have done some successful transition where we went from one generation to the next. 
We've done a lot of success within creditor-debtor law to where people are able to stay afloat. Um, we've worked through some cash flows. You know, we've got, when we do our farm finance clinics, and like our attorney always tells me all the time, Michelle, you don't hear the reward as much as we do at the clinics because of the fact we're there working with them. But he says it is just phenomenal. You know, we just, people are so appreciative of this service. And there's been a lot of success throughout the years. So uh, it's just it's wonderful to be a part of this program. And again, we can't stress enough. It is free. It is confidential. You need the help. Just pick up the phone and call. Anything else that you would like to add in regards to the Rural Response Hotline? You know, we talked about some of the other programs, and we talked about the Rural Response Hotline, but I never did mention that the Rural Response Hotline basically runs through Interchurch Ministries of Nebraska and then Legal Aid's Farm and Ranch Project and then the Nebraska Department of Agricultural and then we have the Beginning Farmer Network Program, and then also uh, Nebraska Farmers Union Foundation. All of these individuals involved make this hotline work, and if we didn't have this dynamic of partnerships, it'd be struggle, and the hotline is the core for us to offer the rest of these services. Thanks again to Michelle Soule from the Nebraska Rural Response Hotline joining us on this portion of our Rural Issues Forum. Again, that number, 800 464 800-464-0258. It is free and it's confidential. The Nebraska Rural Hotline. I'm Susan Littlefield. Thank you so much, Susan and Michelle. Susan Littlefield, the director, our farm director here at the Rural Radio Network, and Michelle Soul from the Rural Response Hotline. And a big thank you to all of the folks that work with the Rural Response Hotline. 350 calls a month. This is a real problem. And uh, I think it's important to remember, we are very much pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstrap sort of folks. And uh, sometimes we don't like to ask for help. But what we said in the program, uh, the promo of this program is very true. We need to shed light on this serious issue. The time to hide it is over. So get help. And as you heard, the Rural Response Hotline is not just about psychological help, but can help in many areas of farming and in all areas of rural life. We talked about the ripple effect. We have some more numbers that we're going to give you at the end of the program, places that you can go that are confidential to go for help, but go for help, for goodness sakes. That's what we're talking about here on this Rural Radio Forum along the Rural Radio Network. We need to let the affiliates know that we're going to take a break here in a few seconds, and uh, we will take a three-minute break for you to get your local commercials in at that time. Let me give you the Rural Response Hotline number one more time. It's 800-465-0258, 800-465-0258. We've looked at the background. We've looked at some ways of solving it. We're going to talk to a professor here in just a few moments when we come back from the break to give us a little more background on all of this. You're listening to the Rural Radio Forum on the Rural Radio Network. Hi. Welcome back to the Rural Radio Forum here on the Rural Radio Network. And a big thank you to all of you and all of our affiliates for bringing you and a big bringing you here. And a big thank you also to Aurora Cooperative, who has brought you this program, Tougher Together, Aurora Cooperative, and you. I'm Scott Foster. I am the midday host here in the Rural Radio Network, and we continue with our forum today 
which is called Stress in Agriculture, You're Not Alone. That has really been our theme throughout so far in this first half. We've talked about some of the background and uh, where this stress comes from. We don't have to tell any of you where it comes from. It all comes from different places. We've also taken a look at where you can go as uh, whether you're the producer or the family member or the friend who sees the problem, gave you some ideas like the Rural Response Hotline of where you can go. And now what we want to do is take a moment and look in at uh, the clinical aspects of this. Again, this isn't always easy to talk to and even harder sometimes to admit, but we must. We must take a look at this. So Dave Schroeder, the news director at KRVN, had a chance to sit down and talk to Dr. Christina Chazik. She is an associate professor of counseling and psychology at the University of Nebraska at Kearney. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, the whole kind of brain part of all of this that we are dealing with here. And it's very common and it is very, very real. So let's turn our attention now to Dave Schroeder. Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network, and thank you for joining us here on the Rural Radio Forum today. Dr. Chosick is Associate Professor of Counseling and Psychology at the University of Nebraska at Kearney, and she's also the uh, Regional Coordinator for University of Nebraska Medical Center's Behavioral Health Education Center. And the topic of, uh, of stress in agriculture, Tina, tell us a little bit about what our producers out there facing these days that are challenging them. Yeah, you know, I, I think as some of the others uh, brought up uh, here on this program that there really are a lot of unique stressors and issues that face producers in agriculture. Many things that maybe our urban counterparts don't face. Um, you know, one of the things that was talked about is there's so many things that are out of their control. You know, the weather is certainly not within our control. The economy in the ag market and industry is not directly in producers' control. There's so many things that are out of your control. And, you know, that kind of makes it hard to be able to predict and plan, you know, what what is going to happen with your livelihood. And, you know, that just causes a lot of stress. It's almost like waking up every day wondering, am I going to have a job today? You know, am I going to be able to support my family. And that's, um, you know, kind of one of the, the main things that gives meaning to the work that you do in agriculture. You know, that strong commitment to the land and to doing a good job. And it's just when other things impact it, it's hard. You know, there's also some unique aspects in agriculture and one that it's very personal. And so what I mean by that is is agriculture is not just a job, it's a whole way of life, right? And so, you know, your whole way of life is kind of threatened, your identity and who you are. Um, that becomes really challenging if there's problems. You know, the other things we don't think about so much like disease outbreak, you can't, you can't control that. Um, you know, you can do what you can, but you can't ultimately control that. You know, I had a was visiting with uh, some farmers that are friends of mine, and, and we had just a really kind of freak hailstorm, and that just happened to just wipe out his crop. You know, and, and around the, everything was fine, and so you know he he kind of asked that question, why me? You know, why am I the one here? You know, going to have to deal with all of this, and you know, it's it's not just that day; it's the whole year. You know that you've worked so hard for. You know the other thing that that I don't think we think about that causes a lot of stress that's unique to agriculture is the succession planning. 
So it's personal because it's tied into family. You know, who who's going to take over the farm? Uh, you know, who has a vested interest in this? So it's not just a business partner. It's a family member. You know, it's a mom or dad. And that creates a lot of stress in families. You know, how to manage that and a, and a lot of division that c- creates even more heartache, you know, with people that you love for sure. Um, the other thing, it, it's hard work being a producer and a farmer. And, and there's a lot of aches and pains and you know like health issues and typically producers don't have great health insurance and so that can also cause some unique things that you know you're you're working hard and you're in pain and that can really affect our emotional well-being as well as physical you know I, I think the other thing that really happens a lot to producers is they overwork so they're working all the time. And, you know, that not being able to let down is really stressful, not only physically, but mentally as well. You know, and just one last thing. There's been some research out there that shows some of the chemicals can also impact, um, you know, not only physical health, but behavioral health, emotional health. It kind of can, you know, all of our emotional behavioral health stuff comes from our brain. <laughs> and that's the organ, you know, that we connect into behavioral health. And some of those chemicals are just not good. Um, some of the, the common ones can really lead to depression. You know, having all of that, the chemical exposure, you know, can lead to feeling depressed. And I don't think we think about that or, you know, certainly our urban counterparts are not dealing with that. So um, I think there's just many, many things. And there's one particular issue that I think what you're trying to deal with is that, that sense of you're not alone. The isolation a lot of times really agricultural work you spend a lot of time alone and you know a lot of time to think and there's sometimes a sense of isolation that I'm not involved in a community you know so that is also hard emotionally well the stress that uh, can develop from these kinds of things happening uh, the symptoms could be from mild to more severe but uh, give us some of the mild symptoms that we could uh, see that a producer or family member might see in someone and then explain a bit more how about how they get more progressive. Oh, sure, sure. So, you know, I, I kind of talk about, you know, am I stressed? Am I depressed? Or am I overblessed? <laughs> you know, what what is it that is going on here with me? And, you know, so being stressed, we all experience a certain amount of stress. And, you know, some of the stresses unique to agriculture that I just mentioned, you know, they're, they're there and everybody's going to go through it mm-hmm. and so you know how you deal with that is really important but you know some signs of stress are just you know maybe being tired maybe being a little irritable a little short with people maybe not thinking as clearly as you could you know those are kind of the, the stress symptoms and then there's physical symptoms you know maybe uh, a blood pressure might you know mm-hmm. raise and and some other things like that that just physically affect us but it can move into if you're under stress for a long period Period of time with no break, it can move into depression. And depression, since we're on the radio, you can't see. <laughs> um, but but I could show you a picture of somebody's brain when they're depressed. It looks very different from somebody's brain who is not depressed. You know, the brain it, it doesn't light up like it's supposed to with all the neurochemicals in our brain. So that that depression, which is a medical illness, caused from kind of constantly being bombarded by things we can see that there's less production of dopamine and serotonin in the brain. And so those symptoms of depression are being extremely irritable and grouchy and not thinking clearly to the point where you're distracted, maybe being sad, thinking thoughts of, you know, that that it's hopeless, that things are never going to get better. 
there's also uh, more sensations of pain with people who are depressed. And so you feel lots more aches and pains in your body. And, you know, most of the time it's the people around you that notice you're depressed more than it's you yourself kind of understanding that because it just comes on slowly. And so people will say maybe, gosh, you've changed or you're so grumpy or, you know, um, you're sad all the time or you're negative all the time that really show up in depression. You know, and then we can get into, you know, further kinds of things, more serious behavioral health issues where you kind of go through mood swings. Maybe you're, you know, up for a long period of time and then you crash and you get really down and you really, you know, fall into that depressed. But depression is really kind of the common cold of mm-hmm. behavioral health. You know, it's it's pretty common. And there are ways to deal with that, you know, to get our brain to functioning better. So I think, you know, there, there's a wide range. The thing we worry about with depression and which is prevalent in the ag community is the high rate of suicide because if somebody's depressed long enough that sense of hopelessness kind of turns into some thoughts of you know suicide because that seems like a a good way out Mm -hmm. and you know that person is not thinking clearly you know they're they're just not able to make good decisions you know their cognitive ability is impaired and so that's where people really have to to kind of watch out is you know if somebody starts talking about you know giving away things or it's not worth it anymore or if only i wasn't here then then we really are concerned mm-hmm. we'll talk about ways uh, to uh, seek help and get help and so forth in a little bit but let's sidetrack a little bit uh, there's been a lot of talk about the opioid crisis mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. farmers and producers are not uh, immune to this and uh, tell us a little bit about that uh, issue yeah so you know there has been a lot of focus on the opioid crisis epidemic across our country and the thing i think it hits rural america hard the rates of opioid abuse um, and overdose are much higher in the in the rural areas and there's a lot of reasons for that nebraska at this point thankfully has been a little protected and insulated from that although it's coming you know i, I visited with some uh, state patrol officers in north platte and they indicate they're seeing a lot of it on on this streets and a lot of some overdoses, um, which kind of shocked me. And, you know, our pharmacies have been hit hard by, you know, break-ins and, you know, stealing that medication. In fact, I was just at a small town main street and the pharmacy actually was closed. It had bars across the windows, which really surprised me in a small town. So I, I don't think we're immune by any means from this opioid crisis. But, you know, most of what happens with opioids is, you know, again, because producers work hard and there's a lot of pain that goes along with that and injury then doctors prescribe the opioids because it's a pain reliever. It's very, very effective, but it's only effective in the short term. And what happens if people overuse it, then your body becomes reliant on it and you need it and you start overusing it. And then you're in a dangerous cycle of you feel more pain because you need more pain medication. Then you take more pain medication and then you feel more pain. And so it's just this cycle. And I think a lot of people don't realize that these opioids, it's not the street drugs, it's not the, the illegal stuff, it's prescribed by a doctor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doctors are just trying to do the best they can do to help their patients alleviate pain. But we now know that, you know, a short-term dose of 
prescription narcotics is is effective. Longer term, it's very dangerous. And so as we start backing off, the physicians start prescribing it less. I think we're going to see kind of a spike. And so we need, you know, producers, agriculture workers need a good way to get pain relief that isn't going to hurt them in the long run. And so I think that's really that whole opioid crisis is trying to figure that out. The other thing in Nebraska we deal more with, though, is is alcohol. People use alcohol in lots of different ways, you know, social and having fun and relaxing. Um, some people use it to cope with the stress and the depression. And, you know, that's not a good plan because alcohol is a depressant in our body. And so when you're depressed and you're drinking on top of it, it's really kind of a double whammy. And, you know, it gets concerning for us because Nebraska, we're actually one of the top states in the nation for binge alcohol use problems. Mm. So we're number five. And that's, you know, not a statistic we want to be. It's number five in that area. And so, you know, that's really where I get concerned when I see people coming to me. You know, if they're depressed or having a lot of those issues and they're drinking on top of it, it becomes kind of a dangerous thing. And actually, most suicides are completed when somebody's under the influence. You know, because, again, you're not thinking clearly. You know, Mm -hmm. alcohol puts your brain to sleep, so you're not thinking. And then you have the means, and it's just, it's real scary. Mm -hmm. It's real scary. Well, let's get back uh, to the stress in agriculture. You're sure. not alone. Producers uh, experience some depression, some irritability, um, loss of interest in things. Uh, yeah. Sometimes uh, they think we'll just kind of grit through this. Yeah. Uh, they're reluctant to seek help from someone. Yeah, that's very true. You know, one of the things that makes kind of agriculture and rural such a great great thing is that people are very independent and very hardworking people and you know one of the neatest things I think is when you know somebody has an accident on the farm and you know the whole community rallies around them you know helps bring the crops in or helps complete you know whatever needs to be done and I I love that the the problem is in agriculture a lot of times they won't seek help for themselves you know it it's too hard to kind of share where you might be feeling a little weak or a little uncertain and that's where we get into trouble is when people don't want to talk about you know I'm I'm feeling too much stress I you know I'm feeling depressed and you know when they don't reach out for that help because that actually is the worst thing for a behavioral health problem is to keep it silent it just grows and it festers, you know, kind of like if you broke your leg and you never went and got help, it's never going to get better, right? And so that's the same way it is with behavioral health. And really, there's not a lot of magic in behavioral health. We have medicines and we have things, but usually it's just talking it through with somebody, just getting a different perspective, having support, right? And people rallying around you really makes it better to know that you're not alone. You know, that's such a great um, visual. I'm not alone in this. Mm -hmm. Although you can feel like it, and part of that, some of the depressive symptoms are I don't want to talk to people. But that's the first thing we would recommend. Tell somebody, talk to somebody. And, you know, some of it is because people are afraid it's going to get out. You know, the Mm -hmm. the word's going to get out. And and stigma is a real thing with behavioral health. But, you know, there are, in every community I know of, there's usually a clergyman or a pastor or somebody that's really good about keeping things kind of private. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if that, that can be a first place to start. The thing, you know, one of the, the things we didn't talk about that's unique to agriculture is usually the, the women in agriculture become almost the de facto behavioral health providers in the family. Sure. <laughs> you know, so you, you can talk to your spouse, but then that also wears on them. You know, they have their own stress. Usually they're working outside of the home and working on the farm and trying to raise a family mm-hmm. and then worry. 
you know, about how everybody's doing. And so, you know, just reaching out and getting some perspective. And I, I got to tell you, I love it. I, I live in a very small community and I live behind the city building, which is also the coffee place. <laughs> and uh, every morning, you know, farmers, six o'clock in the morning, they're over there drinking coffee. And, you know, that the coffee's not that great, I'm sure. It's probably just Folgers. <laughs> and, you know, the amenities, the, you know, they just sit around on folding chairs in, in the back of the, the building there where the fire trucks are. The important part about that, why they all come at 6 o'clock in the morning, is for support, mm. you know, and to talk to each other and have community. And that's really kind of the key to this whole behavioral crisis is mm-hmm. just get somewhere, talk to somebody. And, you know, then we can go from there. Then we can figure out what needs to happen. Well, let's just take a few moments here, and let's uh, let's say you're in your office, yeah. And uh, we've got people listening to this program right now. They're either in a tractor cab, they're in their pickup, they're in the home, in the living room. They might just have stopped and pulled over on the road, but speak to them about seeking help and uh, that to not be reluctant to seek help. So speak like you're talking directly to them. Yeah, you know, I I would just say that it's okay to ask for help, that it's okay to talk to somebody, let somebody know that I'm struggling here. You know, I got a lot on my plate, and I just need to talk it out. And that's really where it starts. Just go to somebody, reach out, somebody you trust. You know, that's a really important piece. It has to be somebody you trust that can hold your confidence. And, you know, then from there, it doesn't seem so dark. You know, you've got another another person coming alongside you, helping you, that there's, there's always hope. And, you know, your darkest day can then turn into a path of, of recovery and, and feeling much better. And there's many resources, you know, whether it's a, a pastor, a, a clergy member, a great trusted friend, maybe somebody in the family, you know, they can help get you to where you need to be, whatever that might be. You know, and, and another good idea is, you know, your doctors are great people in the community who care. And that might be another good place to start. But the thing I would say is just don't let it go unsaid. And that was Dr. Christina Chazik. She is the Associate Professor of Counseling and Psychology at UNK. A big thank you to her and to Dave Schroeder, News Director here at KRVN, for taking the chance to talk to her. Well, we've come to the end of this, and we want to talk about a few things before we close. I think it's important, and I think that you have gotten from what we have talked about here today, that you are not alone. And that was our whole purpose of this, that there are people that are out there to help. There are people that are willing to take the time to help. And the key is for all of us to help one another and to recognize when that help is needed. And towards that point, I bring in uh, Brandon Bennett's here, who's been running the board for us here today. And Brandon, you have some uh, other places that people can go to and talk. We talked about ministerial associations and doctors and, and the Rural Response Hotline. What have, you, what have you seen when you looked at So many times, as Dr. Chazik mentioned, the stigma is real. And there is that false sense of, I'm the only one dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And... One of the things that people don't often realize is when you shed light on something, you illuminate truth out of darkness. And what that means at the next level is that there are others going through this. Sometimes the devil or whatever negative you would ascribe to it 
whispers in your ear that you're the only one dealing with this, and sometimes that's the most insidious message you could ever have. Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about the Nebraska Rural Response Hotline and how many they deal with, the phone calls they get on a daily and a weekly basis, you know, you're not the only one dealing with this. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a mental health issue. It could be a legal issue. It could be I'm struggling with my marriage issue or I've got a problem with my kid issue. And so many times you feel like you're the only one dealing with it and nothing could be further from the truth. Again, to reiterate, the Rural Response Hotline, dozens of calls a week. Their number, once again, 800 465 0258 1-800-465-0258. That is a free and confidential service. Another one for more immediate is the National Suicide Hotline, 1-800-273, and then the word TALK, 1-800-273-TALK. Those numbers are 8255. And out of this, and I I keep gravitating back to the word stigma. So many times that stigma gets inside your head and you're not able to get it out. There are so many grassroots community groups that have popped up really over the last several years. For example, the McKenna's Ray of Hope Foundation in Kearney, the Kim Foundation and others. There are other groups out there that from a grassroots level are starting to address this in agriculture and in general society. And I think it's important, and, and you mentioned this as we were listening off air, the ripple effect. Remember that this isn't just you. If you're the one that's dealing with the problems, it affects your family, your friends, the people that work with you, the people that work for you, and your community. And so from that standpoint, go out there and get that help. And if you see someone else struggling Get out there, get out there and help them. And I think that's important. So uh, we gave you a lot of things to think about today. And that was our whole purpose of this Rural Radio Forum. There are lots of places, if you go out there and look around, that are more than willing to help in these situations. We talked about the Rural Response Hotline getting 350 calls a month. This is a real thing. We are proud people. And uh, we are the grandsons and granddaughters of pioneer people, and we are tough, but we can't do it alone. And it's important to remember, you're not alone. Big thank you to Dr. Michael Roseman, uh, to Clay Patton, to uh, Michelle Soule from the Rural Response Hotline, also to Susan Littlefield and Dave Schroeder and uh, Dr. Christina Chazik. This is the Rural Radio Network. And again, that concludes our Fall 2018 Rural Radio Forum quarterly in-depth look at issues. And this time, taking a look at stress and agriculture, you're not alone. Special thanks to our major sponsor, the Aurora Cooperative. Tougher together, Aurora and you.